We're going to look at a 90-year-old man, Daniel chapter 10. We often look at him as a teenager, young adult, and rightly so because those early years are dramatic years of walking with God and making the right decisions, having courage, not being about himself, not succumbing to the world's temptations, which were incredible there in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar, not caving into the satanic, occultic uh, forces that were around him. He and his friends are a tremendous example. But we certainly see that that kind of faithful life is showing itself here at this stage in his life. A cartoon pictured a little boy kneeling in prayer. Obviously disgruntled with God, he was saying, Aunt Harriet hasn't gotten married, Uncle Hubert hasn't any work, and Daddy's hair is still falling out. I'm getting tired of praying for the family without getting any results. And uh, that is oftentimes the attitude of people when it comes to prayer or what uh, we are involved in spiritually. One saint of the Lord talks about how his parents were tremendous practitioners of prayer. And as a child, he was greatly impressed by their daily devotions. He said he was such a convert to the reality of prayer that he thought that anything that, that went wrong could be readily remedied or anything that he desired could be attained if mother would pray about it. As I grew older, the nature of my problems and concerns changed, and whenever I voiced doubt or fear, Mother would still say, we had better pray about this. Our secret place was an old hall stand near the front door of our country home. This antique, straight and tall, faced with glass, with clusters of hooks on each side for coats, and a receptacle near the right-hand side for umbrellas also had a chest across the bottom which made it a convenient and comfortable place to rest the elbows while kneeling. This was our favorite altar. To me, it was the place of miracles. I mentioned that illustration, actually the two illustrations, to give um, the very impressionable, it's like setting concrete or working with clay. A child that doesn't believe God answers prayer is going to have a hard time when he's older. A young person who is seeing God answer prayer and is making faith decisions so he's living a life of miracles is going to be exploding with that reality when he hits 90 years of age. And so it is vital not to just go through these very impressionable years in an okay, above average way, but this is when you ought to have a fervency in seeking God just like Daniel did. And Daniel was an empire changer. It was an amazing, uh, amazing reality. Now he's uh, 90 years old. It's been 70 some years since he's been in captivity, if you can imagine. He was taken in captivity in 605 BC. And this final vision uh, was the third year of the reign of Cyrus, so we're not even in the Babylonian Empire anymore. We are in the Medo-Persian Empire. Cyrus is the emperor, Darius is the governor, and that was uh, 536 BC. The exiles had, had returned from Babylon, some of them, and were beginning to rebuild the temple. And, uh, and so this revelation comes as uh, God has, reveals to Daniel that there is going to be ongoing battles for 
the nation of Israel and that uh, there's going to be much ahead and obviously he was hoping uh, for uh, God to to work mightily now that things had uh, had come back uh, with some having returned but still there's a great disappointment only 50,000 had returned now you think about that that's not a lot when you think about who had populated Israel before and they were facing great opposition and problems. And so he did what you should do. He turned to the Lord knowing that his prayer would make a difference. Now, young people, let me just say this. There's a great parallel here. We live in the church age. We're not talking about what he would be looking at as the battles that Israel was going to go through, especially during the intertestinal times. We are living in the church age in which the victory has been won by Christ. And we know there's going to be an enormous set of battles spiritually, Ephesians chapter 6, other passages as we battle principalities and powers. But we have very clear promises and facts that we can pray just like Daniel did. And we can actually see victory at the moment. You see, Daniel's faith, is, has, he had to look across the decades. Uh, but he still believed that his prayer would make a difference. And when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be shocked at how the history of Israel was affected by the prayer of Daniel. I believe the return uh, at the 70-year prophecy time of Jeremiah, the return was because Daniel sought the Lord. And, uh, and so it's important for us. Elijah God had put on his heart to pray that there would not be rain. He'd taken the promises from Deuteronomy, and he prayed, and it did not rain. And, and even though he knew it would be for over three years, he still, once the fire came down on Mount Carmel, what did he do? He went back up and prayed. Now, you all are seeing the battle beginning uh, more and more intense and if if I if we can grab a hold of how Daniel responded here at 90 years of age I think we can backtrack and realize what he was really like at your age that made a difference and you all can make an enormous difference you know we feel so often and we should spiritually we're insignificant in the human realm but you are extremely significant in the spiritual realm. I just had the privilege of spending two days in prayer with uh, several pastors from Wisconsin. And I'm telling you, in the middle of those times, that it, we got a hold of God. And some very specific things, God worked in hearts. And I think it really shocked some of the men how God worked and the faith that occurred. And I know from that prayer meeting, things are going to be happening in the state of Wisconsin. By the way, one of the things we really prayed about is for God to, to do something in Milwaukee. And the Lord really lit that up. That was really exciting. And, uh, but, but you can't understand that unless you're there in the place of prayer. And one of my big concerns is that, young people, you don't make the same mistake of the previous generation. Thank God for Bible-believing Christianity in the last several decades. Thank God for the many works that have gone forward. Thank God for the faithful people around the world. 
But let me tell you, if we were to characterize the last couple of generations of Bible Christianity, we would have to put over the top of it prayerlessness. And as a result, we have seen the emptiness, the defeat, the discouragement, the loss of young generations of Bible believers to the cause of Christ. And I trust over your generation, it will be, this is a Daniel-type generation. These are, this was a generation of young people that knew what it meant to get a hold of God. Let me just say, young people, you're not living unless you're praying. Real living is during times of individual and corporate prayer. And I think you've had a taste of that enough to, to know what I'm talking about. And yet the flesh wants to have self-dependency uh, self, uh, and it wants self-indulgence. And the problem with prayer is prayer always brings you back to the glory of God and to sacrifice and to deal with the flesh, right? Corporate prayer really does if it's an extended corporate prayer time. My, did we had a session of prayer on Monday that, whoa, God really dealt with all the men. Well, that's exactly what happens. And so the flesh is going to avoid being in that kind of position because we like the comfortable life that we're in. And one of the dangers you can have is agree, this is, you know, we need to live for God, we need to believe him today, we need to be faithful uh, believers, but if we do not grow in the matter of prayer and realize that you can change things yourself by a powerful intercessory prayer, uh, you're going to find yourself losing your faith. I promise you that. Prayerlessness will bring you to a cynicism like the boy whose dad's hair is still falling out. You know, I mean, you will, um, you will find yourself starting to excuse away every aspect of your Christian life. I think of George Evans, who was the leader, one of the two leaders of the Baptists uh, in Russia during the terrible Soviet regime. By the way, it's going on again. We need to really pray the Russian believers are really going through it again. But during that time, uh, he was in prison and so forth. He got free, led what's called the Russian Gospel Ministries. I had a, the privilege of assisting him there on the board. And, um, and so once the freedom came under Gorbachev and the wall came down, he was more concerned at that point, just like Daniel was at the pathetic response of Israel. He was really concerned the believers with this newfound freedom, guess what they're doing? Self-indulgence not spreading the gospel. The Russian church did not spread the gospel. They had lived so much in trying to protect themselves. Plus they had a few little theological issues. It was the Americans that came over and helped fire it up and then they really got going. Some of the churches, especially in Ukraine, but that's tragic. And that was the kind of burden here that, um, that uh, Daniel had, and let me ask you, are solid churches across the country taking this great crisis and are we seeing just a mighty work of God? No, we're getting mad at the government. No, I'm mad at the government, but that doesn't do any good. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, he had Cyrus, Paul had Nero, and we have, well anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know what we have, but uh, I don't know really who's running the show, but somebody's back there uh, behind the scenes uh, running our country. And uh, so the point uh, is that uh, are we willing 
are we willing to pay the price to really see the Lord work? Well, having said all that, let's look at chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. So he'd already had the vision and an understanding of it. In those days, because of the vision, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine uh, in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And so he did what needed to be done, and that is go back to the Lord and call upon God for the promises to Israel. We have a tendency, <clears throat> if we were like Daniel, when something like that comes across, we just wring our hands and say how bad things are. See, the thing I want you to get is, folks, when you face the troubling reality, you can make a difference. Not a movement, but you. One person, one person can get a hold of God. But we just sort of wait for everybody else, don't we? We like to get caught up in when things are really going. But I would love, I would love to see some of you that would become great intercessors for this generation coming up. You see, that started back, what did Daniel do back when he was a, a teenager and that uh, vision came that they were all going to be killed? What did they do? They went to prayer. In fact, he was unapologetic about going to prayer, and guess what God did? God answered. Big things started happening. You'll find them always going to prayer, and then God working. And then, as he began to realize 70 years were about up, you have chapter 9, where he goes to the Lord in prayer, and you have the, uh, uh, the great 70 weeks uh, prophecy and so forth. And God, I believe, answered the prayer or the prophecy of Jeremiah through the prayer of Daniel. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, then that's exactly what you find in Daniel chapter 9. Now, young people, you might feel like, man, I don't have as much talent as somebody else. I just, you know, I don't uh, have as much to offer. When we get to heaven, it would be a joy, not for your sake, but for Christ's sake, to realize things really happened because you prayed. You know, you may not have been known, but you prayed. God knew you. And also, things begin to happen even publicly when you pray, and you pray for the right motive. You can't even figure out how God's going to work. It's an amazing thing. Young people, I'm, I'm really earnest about this because this has got to be forefront in your mind and heart. If you find yourself being selfish and just still concerned about what people think about you and moved by this or that, and you know all these things to be true, but it doesn't seem like you can get on, get on track about it, I can just tell you right now, prayer is not foremost. Anytime prayer gets to be foremost, all of a sudden spiritual reality becomes reality. And about any needs you have will be solved, but you'll begin to start seeing God use you in the lives of others. You see, it's no mystery. This student body could have revival if you wanted it. It's not a zap from God fatalistically. Haven't you had some times when you prayed together and God touched you? Well, you know, we're in the nine-week block. You can't have revival in the nine-week block. It's impossible, you know. Now, maybe in the last two-week block or right around Victory Conference, those are good times for revival. But I'm telling you, when you got papers due and 
recitals to be had, and um, you know all these activities. Not, not a good time for a revival. That's the way life's going to be. It's never a good time, humanly speaking. We could have revival in our church if we would. We could have revival in Wisconsin, and I believe we will. I think it's time that we stay on our face till it happens. So I just really want to encourage you that Daniel was able to pray this way at 90 because he did it at 18. He did it at your age. I can tell you, even with him not having what you have, if all of a sudden he were to walk in here, just he, and you know, dressed in 2021 clothing, um, you would immediately sense this guy's serious. In fact, he really probably wouldn't be cool. He probably wouldn't be the top pure guy. But there's something about him, man, there's power. He wants to pray, he believes God can do it. He's got this miracle idea. You know, if you're ever gonna do anything for God, you're always gonna be a little step out of it. It takes that willingness. Now, I'm all about being as sharp as you can be, do things as well as you can do them, it's all important. And we endeavor to try to teach you that here, and I think you know that. So we're not asking you to be out of step, humanly speaking. But I'm telling you, genuinely spiritual, not pious, but men and women that love God, there's something about them. To spiritual people, boy, you're thankful for them. But to people that love the Lord but are still about self, they're a little bit intimidating. They're a little bit too much. And I remember back in college, I had to make some decisions. Uh, am I going to be seen as a little bit over the edge or am I gonna fit in and, and uh, try to, you know, try to have influence from a human standpoint? When you have a college that's 6,300 and all of a sudden God gives you some leadership, you can be aware of that. And I remember that pressure. There was a lot of pressure to be right in step culturally in the whole nine yards. And I remember my junior year, I said, I don't care what anybody thinks of me, I have got to seek the Lord. And um, for a while I thought, well, that's probably it. Because I actually I was made fun of it a little bit at that time uh, because of some of the positions I was in. But then God just turned it all around. We, we had a real move of God my senior year. I know what God can do, but you gotta be willing to be a man of God first, a woman of God first. But we're so concerned about ourselves. What do people think? How do we fit in? And uh, these are things you've got to deal with because you're going to face them on steroids when you get out of here. This is a great laboratory for life. The intensity of knowing everyone and all. And, and so I want to encourage you that uh, as you are seeing the need today and as you see your generation uh, really in trouble, and you know that there's spiritual battles in the spiritual realm, but God is on the move and the world can be reached and there's that revival can be had. Are you willing to be one at 19, 20, 21 that is willing to pay the price to see that generation changed? It only take one of you and things would begin to start happening. One of you that just says, I'm going to love God more than anything else. I'm not going to be pious. I'm not going to let anybody know what I'm doing. I'm just going to seek the Lord. 
And what's interesting is people like that sort of find each other. It's a wonderful thing, I'm telling you. When God's all over something, that's the place to be. Don't be a Johnny-come-lately and jump on to the bandwagon. Be in the middle of it quietly, and no one may ever know what you've done, but you know what God did. See, one of my greatest burdens is that our church knows why the answers come. I want them to labor in prayer. But I can, I can tell you the smaller prayer meetings are where people know what's happening. And we just rejoice after it. You know, God did that. He did it again. So uh, I just burdened about that as we look at uh, Daniel here because he did it again. He for three, and he's a 90-year-old guy. And he's not eating. He's not fully fasting, but he's not hardly taking anything here. And for three weeks, he's afflicting himself and praying. Why? Because he wanted to see the glory of God expanded and to see God, God work through the nation of Israel. And we have promises that God will work right now. Now, the thing that I think is so sweet, if you look with me at verse 4, and in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittical, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz, his body also was like the burl, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. There's something that is very, real exciting, is that when you give yourself to seek the Lord, you will be touched by the Lord. You will see him. Now, he saw him in a unique way. But we have the scripture, Revelation 1, reveals him for who he is right now. The resurrected Lord is a, almost a parallel uh, to this passage right here. But the thing I want you to realize is that those that see the Lord are the ones that seek the Lord. And uh, it's, it's that manifest presence of the Lord is there when you really seek him. And you say, well, you know, I've, I'm, I'm spending time in prayer. Just seems like it's not all that real at times. Well, the, the, the problem is we get to going through the motions. The way you, you stop that is he was broken about the situation and therefore he needed God and God showed up. Ask God when you're praying day after day, is your nation in trouble? Is your generation in trouble? Are fundamental churches in trouble? Are evangelical churches in trouble? Yes. Is the testimony of the Lord not where it ought to be? It won't take much, and God will give you his heart for that. And when the Holy Spirit begins to break down your just self-consuming perspective, and you begin to realize what it's all about, and you get the heart of the Savior, won't be long, and you'll spiritually know he's there. Because now you got his heart. You see, the Lord touched Daniel because Daniel was now like him. He had his heart. Same burden. Everything Daniel was praying was the very heart of the Savior himself. And so this is a wonderful time. It's the third time he reveals himself to Daniel. And, um, and you know, you think of the men that sought the Lord. Abraham, face to face. Moses, same with him. Isaiah, 
Ezekiel. And those aren't any, they aren't any more special than you. And you've got the great privilege of having the spirit of the living God. Do you want to meet God? You know, that ought to be your just heart cry. But it can't be for your own experience. It's got to be because you got his heart. And that this is what I'm really burdened about. Are we sold out to the cause? Or are you still wanting to do well in the cause for your sake? Which is the normal perspective because that's the way we're made. But I'm telling you, if you can have the Spirit of God get you over yourself and promoting yourself and beginning and get a hold of what it's all about, you're training, you're spending this time because there's a huge need and the Savior deserves it, and I want to get in line with him, that's when you're going to start seeing God. You will. Any young person that seeks the Lord will find him. And that's really revival. You know, look at this revelation of the Lord. You see he's the perfect priest. He's holy. By the way, you don't have any trouble with wanting to be like the world when you're meeting with God. You just don't, you just don't want that. I can tell you right now, when you start arguing over standards, uh, I'm not going to argue with you over standards. I'm going to just pray for you that, you that you'll have a heart that wants to be like Jesus because you'll be careful. You don't want to be a stumbling block, and you don't want to be a problem, and you don't want to identify with the world. So it's no problem because you love Jesus. It's a really good indication of where you're at. I know for me it was at your age. He had perfect gold, deity, dazzling light, the glory of God, that omniscient look, those eyes. I could take a long time going into all of that. And so uh, Christ will reveal himself in us because we have the Holy Spirit. Hudson Taylor, boy, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, he talks about when the Lord enters your heart, <laughs> uh, that aching void is filled. There's no ecstasy, no rushing mighty wind, no fiery baptism, but nevertheless, the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. And uh, he makes that great statement, it is not striving after faith, but resting in the faithful one. And young people, Daniel was not more important to God than you. And you have the right for this. Jesus paid for it. But see, see you don't seek him for the experience and to make you feel good. You seek him because you got his heart. That's what I want you to get. Daniel was broken. I tell you what, you go into Milwaukee, do we have a problem over there? That ought to make you cry. Those kids, those teenagers. You go into Menominee Falls, we've got a problem here? Oh, yes, we do. What they're being taught in the public school, don't know whether they're a boy or a girl, don't know what's going on, don't know how to handle those kind of things. I'm telling you, that ought to break your heart. Most of the kids you see your generation don't have a mom and a dad. You say, well, it's, you know, I can't work that up. That's exactly right. But I tell you what, the mighty power of God can give you that kind of heart. And it's when you get desperate about the need of the hour, that's when God shows up. Because he wants to reveal himself to you when you have his heart. I hope you get this. 
You see, Daniel, right from the beginning, as a teenager, right on, he was burdened for the glory of Jehovah. He didn't. He knew he might die. He he placed the glory of the Lord first. He cried out to God to work, and because he. Uh, had that kind of life at 90 years of age, he's able to have this kind of heart. And you know, it's really interesting, you go back to chapter 9, what does the Lord, uh, how does he address uh, Daniel? Beloved. I tell you what, there ought to be no greater joy in your life than to know that the Savior's saying, I really thank God for that young man. He's beloved to me. Man, I'll tell you, that just ought to send shivers all over you to think that God, in whom I am well pleased, that the Father for the Son, and that should be the same heart because of what God's doing in us. And uh, this is the kind of thing, folks, that makes the difference. And it's so interesting, if you look at verse 7, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. You know, truth is understood by sensitive people that seek the Lord. Now, I want you to get this. Are you the kind of Christian that gets excited because you feel the quaking going on and you know God's doing something? Or are you the kind of Christian that sees the Lord and are, are fully enjoying Him and, and you realize God's working, but that's not... That's because you are meeting with the Lord. You know, most, most folks in churches and in places like this enjoy the results of somebody seeking the Lord, but don't see the Lord themselves. Isn't that true? Don't you love a testimony that's sort of an earthquake sometimes? Touches your heart. Don't you love hearing about that miracle of somebody getting saved or God answers that prayer? It stirs you, it helps your faith. That's wonderful to feel the quaking but what about getting the vision? What about being the one in the middle who's making the difference? And uh, it's, it's amazing. He said, therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words and when I heard the voice of his words then was I in a deep sleep among my face and my face toward the ground, and behold, an hand touched me. And Daniel had felt that touch before, and he feels it at 90 years of age. What a blessing to have the omnipotent God touch you. What had uh, happened to the Apostle John in Revelation 1? He sees this great vision of the Lord Jesus. He falls on his face. He's, in t he's totally overwhelmed by it and what does Jesus do he touches him he will always touch you by the way when you really get broken for the need and decide I'm going to be the intercessor and God meets with you you will feel your weakness not strength you're not going to say now I got it no you're going to say I'm a I'm a disaster I can't do this and it's at that moment when God touches you you get up in his power so nobody around him got that, but uh, he got it. And uh, he was transformed and was able to see what God wanted him to see. And, and look at this in verse 11, or verse 10. And behold, an hand touched me, 
which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee I am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now you have an angel that had come from God. And I will just give a quick synopsis of the remainder of this uh, chapter, which I've talked about before. Uh, when did that angel, when was he dispatched according to this chapter? At the beginning of the prayer three weeks before. <laughs> and he didn't show up till three weeks later. What happened? Is it that long of a, of a distance for an angel between heaven and earth? <laughs> no, the top demonic power under Satan who was controlling the Medo-Persian Empire, Cyrus's control, stopped Gabriel. And he had more power than Gabriel had. God works according to his own laws of creation. And so there was a delay. I don't understand all that battle. And then when Daniel got urgent in his prayer, Michael, the archangel, just under the created power of Lucifer, greater than the prince of Persia, comes over, stops the control of the prince of Persia, that demonic power, and sets free Gabriel, and Gabriel comes. What, I'm, what I want you to see is that's why we have to wait on the Lord sometimes. There's a lot more going on in the heavenlies, we know. But when we really pray with power, and the more we see the Lord, that's when God can free up the situations that we don't understand and won't understand until we get to heaven, and that's when powerful things can happen. And he gets this message and gets the prophecy of chapter 11 and 12 from the angel. You've got to realize things aren't any different today. The White House has the Prince of Persia sitting right there in the Oval Office, probably visited by Lucifer himself quite often. And you've got other top demonic powers in, Be in Beijing and other places like that. That's just the way it is. But I tell you, a lot of the power of Satan goes against the church of the living God in our day, more than even nations. And that's why to think you can, in your own strength, have a successful ministry, you're very foolish. And that's why you can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and it seems like nothing happens. It's because you are not praying with the heart of the Savior. It is about yourself. You are not meeting with God. The manifest presence of God is not there. He's not able to, to change you. The desperateness is not there. And therefore, the battle's not being won, and you're not seeing it happen, but God's ready to answer, especially in seeing a breakthrough in the areas where you want to see a real move of God. But if you're willing to really let the Spirit of God get a hold of you, you can have victory fairly, fairly quickly. And the Lord will touch your heart. You say, wow, yeah, that's, that's a lot to get a hold of. Young people, God will teach you. It started for Daniel at 16, maybe 18, probably 16. And he learned his lessons in college. <laughs> He saw great things happen, and prayer became the center focus of his life and his relationship to God. And at 90, he had this kind of a walk with God. But you know the good news for you? You've got the Holy Spirit now. You've got the Word of God now. 
you have the privilege of walking with God now like that. That's why we see younger men over the years who have great power. God certainly works patiently with them, but God can do great things even now. But my, my major point is, are you willing to be that kind of a Christian that's so all in? You may be a little out of it, but you're, you're dead serious about reaching the Lord. Not pious and not about yourself but you really want to know him. I trust that God will work a work in one of your hearts. That's all it takes is one. God's ready to move here now. He's ready to move in our church now. He's ready to move in your generation now. Who's willing to meet with God? I just deeply burdened just to give you that challenge. And by the way, it isn't just one. <laughs> Every one of you. God wants that to happen. Let's bow for prayer.